Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. Win or lose, we are going to be here, and unfortunately, we've had a few more losses than we have wins this season. Frogs lose to Oklahoma. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, as always, I have Jeremy and I have Daniel with me here to break down the Frogs' loss at home against the Oklahoma Sooners. We knew this game was going to be a challenge. We knew the Frogs were going to be outmanned, especially on the defensive side of the ball against that um, extremely efficient offense on for Oklahoma. Kyler Murray putting up better numbers than Baker Mayfield did, which should scare you to death. But nevertheless, there were some moments of life in this game. There were some changes made at quarterback. There were some uh, opportunities for some young guys to shine. I love that catch by John Stevens Jr., but at the end of the day, they just could not pull it off. They just could not pull it off. And by the time uh, we're about ten minutes into, about five minutes into the fourth quarter, it just became evident that the frogs were not going to be able to pull this off. Jeremy, we look at this game. Um, it's really going to be defined by one thing: the frogs made a change at quarterback. What was your response? What was your thought process when you saw Michael Collins uh, go uh, trotting out there to take over the offense long before he was able to make uh, two touchdowns on three plays? What did you think about just everything that had gone into that moment and what that moment meant where the Frogs pull out Sean Robinson and put in Michael Collins for the rest of the game, even after he banged up his hand? Yeah, I thought it was time for them to do that. I mean, obviously, the offense wasn't going anywhere. Um, luckily, they had Cavante Turpin return that kickoff and gave him some life, but offensively it just wasn't going anywhere and if you guys go back and look at that game thread that I had I I posted early on that Sean was going to be given a short leash this game and that Michael Collins could be called upon early if Sean was struggling I know last week then it wasn't discussed really uh, on Saturday after the game but Michael and Sean shared first team reps this week leading up to the uh, to the game so it, it, it didn't surprise me once I got uh, some of that information. As a matter of fact, I, I got a text saying that, hey, Michael Collins probably is going to be coming in soon. And then next thing you know, here's his helmet on uh, on the sideline. He's he's getting with the huddle. But I thought it was a needed change. I mean, obviously, the offense needed a spark, and they got a spark from him. I'm, it, it was it was funny because at first, the, the first time he ran out to the field, everyone's chanting, just like we said last in last week's broadcast that the crowd's going to cheer when they see Michael Collins out there because everyone loves a backup quarterback. But I got to tell you that first pass he had was pretty cool. I mean, pretty, pretty good pass. He throws a quick out and everyone's like, Holy cow, we could throw the ball downfield consistently. Then the second play, he nearly <laughs> throws a freaking pick six and you're thinking, Oh man, this is terrible. This is, this is exactly what we've been going through. <laughs> yeah. And then the third, the third play throws it to Turpin and Turpin makes a great play. And so your confidence gets built and, the, the, the next drive he goes out there, he throws a beautiful pass to Jalen Rager for a touchdown. But it, the fact of the matter is, guys, he led them to uh, four uh, consecutive scoring drives. It would have been a fifth if they wouldn't have missed the field goal. And that's what TCU's been lacking this year. And and what was funny when we made our predictions last week and, and we talked about this game and even when we do our weekly predictions for the site, that's that's one thing I said. I thought the offense would play better, not necessarily just because Oklahoma was – reeling from a, a new defensive coordinator I, for whatever reason I just I, I just felt that they can play better um, but actually this was the lowest offensive total yardage they've had all year um, but they scored points and that's what mattered they didn't turn over the ball until late in the game which Mike of course threw the interception but overall I think it's a I think it's a change that was needed and it, and it obviously gave the team a spark now he didn't put up outstanding numbers I mean he was four for five for his uh, four or five for his uh, first uh, five passes. But if you look at the rest of the day, he was only uh, three of 12. He only completed seven of 17 passes and he, passes and he missed uh, his last eight pass attempts. But a lot of that could have to do with that big old blister that he had on his hand from when he when he slid. But I thought overall it, it was a change that was needed. And and I think moving forward, you'll, you'll probably see that. Now it's going to be the question of the week. And we're going to ask Gary about it. Probably on Monday he'll hear it. Probably on Tuesday he'll hear it. And unfortunately, it's not going to be an answer that TCU fans are going to like because he's not going to get into the middle of, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk about a controversy. I'm not going to talk about who's starting. And for him, it's better now because now he has to get Kansas to prepare for one of the two. If I'm, if I'm Gary Patterson for the week and I'm in his shoes, I'm looking at, this quarterback came in and led me to four uh, to 
five consecutive scoring drives, being the fifth, they missed the field goal, but it, I consider that a drive that he led them. I would start Michael Collins, plain and simple. He led them to more consecutive scoring drives in this one game alone than what Sean Robinson had done the last three games. Daniel, Jeremy is a journalist. I'm a nobody. You are a man of the people. What was your response when you saw Michael Collins go out there? Because I'm not going to lie. I, you know, I, I, I spend way too much time on Twitter. I spend way too much time on message boards. I think just about anybody, I just think just about everybody was ready for Michael Collins. Where were you at in, in the, as the game unfolded when you saw Collins go out there? I was actually a little disappointed because I, we were right on track for my score prediction. <laughs> So, and, he, and Colin screwed that way up by scoring. Um, so anyway, no, no, no. I was thrilled. I was like, finally, you know, just like, it's just a sigh, of re- a sigh of relief. Like, even if he didn't do well, at least we know. And it's something that's just been frustrating because we've been thinking, okay, we have to at least see what he can do. And he did pretty, pretty darn good. I was actually really impressed to be kind of just kind of thrown in there like that and against big, scary Oklahoma and to perform as well as he did until he really hurt your hand. And I've had an injury to that part of my hand where the skin is just kind of, kind of like when you start peeling on a potato and you just stop and there's a big flap that stings and you can't do anything. Um, so we'll see how this goes coming into the week. So, I, you know, I think that played a part in his, the, the drop off in his performance. Um, and I think, uh, in those hurt even while they're healing. So I don't know if he would be that effective if he got the start. So we'll see. Were either you guys surprised that they didn't go back to Sean after the potato flap injury? That's I'm going to call it that now. I'm going to brand it that. After he got the potato flap injury on his throwing hand right there on the base of his thumb, were you surprised they didn't go back to Sean and were able to kind of say, hey, he's you know Michael's injured, let's go back to Sean here? Or was it? does it say something that they stuck with him even though his efficiency went down and he clearly had an injury? I didn't know how bad it was until uh, a little bit later. And when we all started, because it's, it's crazy when you're up in the press box, you, you have the TV, but you really don't pay attention to it that much unless it's like a controversial call or Did, you're trying to a review a play. Hold on. Did he just big time us? No. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what Trust I thought. Me. That's what I thought. Keep going. Hey, I'm when, sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm going to rant later about some things, but I'm going to talk about this press box now because I'm pissed off at some of you TCU fans, and I'm going to rant later about it. Uh, about this game okay so anyhow i didn't know the we'll severity of the injury we'll until a little, yeah i didn't know the injury the severity of the uh injury until afterwards but no i wasn't surprised i mean the, for whatever reason guys no matter how bad his stats were it just seemed to rejuvenate that entire sideline okay when, when michael came in and and, and i'm not going to speculate on rumors or anything like that but it just it just seemed like how much how much was the defense going to put up with it you know what i mean how much how much was the defense going to go out there and continually stop teams if they're not going to get any help from the offense it's tough for them and i'm not saying okay well the offense isn't going to score so we're not going to play defense that's not what i'm saying i'm saying it's 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 very frustrating when when the way tcu's defense has played up to this point they're not getting any help from the offense it, it it's tough to get out there and and continue to make plays but once you saw that spark and this is this is in black and white this you can go back and watch it on tv when it was 28 7 he comes in there they score a touchdown and guess what happens when OU gets the ball the next three times they have to punt defense got a spark in them too and that's what this team needed this team needed a jolt for whatever reason it, I, I don't know if Sean was losing guys in the locker room or what. I, I Like I said, I don't want to speculate, create rumors like that. But it was so obvious to see, not only for the people in the press box, but people that posted on the board that same night. Uh, I'm sure people across other fan bases noticed that there was definitely a change in TCU's mentality from not only the offense, but the entire sideline. And and I love Deshaun. I love Sean to death. And, I, and I've, I've had... 
uh, plenty of times where I've told you guys this. I've known Sean since he was a freshman in high school. Okay. It, and, and I was a big guy that wrote about him early on for some, that's why I take offense to people that say, well, you don't like Sean. No, I've, I've backed up Sean on this broadcast. I can't tell you how many times we can go back and listen to it. I, how many times have I defended Sean on our board? And I've, and I've taken a lot of crap for it, but consistently, yeah. consistently, so yeah. no one, yeah. no one's going to sit here and tell me that, Oh, you never liked Sean. So you like this anyway. No, it's not, it's not that. I just felt that this team needed a spark offensively and and that's and that's what it was. And if I'm if I'm gonna laugh about anything and pat myself on the back for anything, it finally shows that you know what, what I was reporting, what people were telling me in the spring and what Gary Patterson was saying about the quarterback battle, maybe you guys understand now that there was some uh legitimacy to all that talk. Well, there is legitimacy to that talk, and it seems as if um, we saw that on Saturday. That was the best uh, performance that I've seen. You know, every if you just kind of look at Ohio State as the watershed moment, everything since then is really what I judge this team by. And there, what hasn't been much to assess that's positive. That was the most productivity and energy that I'd seen out of both the offense and the defense when Michael Collins entered the game. So it's easy to see that that, that there was a quarterback battle. It's easy to see that you were you were you know you were right in what you're saying, and it's easy to see that the players responded to him. So that's going to make the the cloud around who's playing on Saturday all the more interesting because. I'm going to be shocked if Michael Collins does not trot out there for the first uh, for the first series for the Frogs when they go up to Lawrence because this is a way to shoot his confidence through the roof. We know that Kansas is Kansas, and we know they've already fired their offense coordinator. Yeah. But I I would I expect us to I expect TCU to start Michael Collins on Saturday, not out of my great knowledge of of of, of inside information, but just of what I saw with my own eyes, not only on the offensive side of the ball, but on the defensive side of the ball. Wouldn't it be crazy if you got if we saw Doug Meacham in a TCU polo up in Lawrence next week? I mean that how, how say a little more. No, about I, mean, that. I mean I'm just uh, speaking hypothetically here, guys. How crazy would that be? You know, it would be. I mean, crazy. he can't. He can't be. A, he can't be, be very, a coach. He can't crazy. be a coach, but he he could be like a, I'm a consultant here. <laughs> could you can you imagine? Can you imagine? Uh, just imagine for a minute. I'm gonna. I'm can, I'm gonna read something that's that you posted on our board, and you just tell me. If I'm quoting you accurately, okay? Does that sound good? What did I post on the board? You said this is your uh, your uh, takeaways from the game from Saturday. You said, on to Lawrence now, where the Frogs have escaped a couple of times with close wins, even in 2014, where they finished 12-1. and This could be a game where Kansas can get an upset. However, maybe the Frogs can get some advice from a certain coach that was cert- uh, recently let go from them. That'd be interesting if Doug Meacham was uh, getting some hey, input to this he's, team. He's unemployed right now, so why not? I mean, he... <laughs> why not, man? It's... It'd be good, good insight against the opponent as well. I mean, what a better time! Yeah, well timed. Saying, yeah, well timed. I like now that. Everyone's, I like now, that. now everyone, everyone's going to be talking. All right, about let's go to another. Doug Meacham's Wait. coming back to TCU. <laughs> I, hey, no, 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 don't. No, well, whatever no, no, happens, no, no. Jeremy, I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold, no, 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 you said it. So I'm going to, I'm going to rail on you on this podcast and on our, our Horn Frog Blitz site for the, for all time and eternity. I'm going to hold that against you because you said it. And you said there was quarterback battle. You know, one of the other curious things from this game in in basically everything since the Ohio State game has been uh, the ongoing debate about who's getting more carries and who should be running the ball more and why is uh, Shaywell getting more carries than Darius Anderson. Here's another game where uh, Shaywell gets 11 carries, Darius Anderson gets 6. Shaywell goes for 34, Darius Anderson goes for 32. Obviously, there continues to be uh, issues with this young offensive line for their ability to bow up and get six-yard runs that turn into eight-yard runs in the second quarter that turn into 30-yard runs late in the game. But I, I'm the, am I the only one that's surprised that Darius Anderson is only getting six yards a carry? If we assume he's healthy, even though I know he's been was banged up really early in the season, if we assume that he's uh, not in the doghouse, what is going on schematically 
that keeps Darius Anderson from getting carries in this game. I'd, I'd love some of y'all's feedback just from uh, what you might know, Jeremy, just from being a fan, Daniel, because that continues to confound me because this is the guy that ran all over Ohio State. This is the guy that ran uh, – this is the guy that just trucked Oklahoma State last year. He was our best running back last year, and it wasn't even close. And it seems as if he's an afterthought in this offense. That's a good question, and I, I really don't have an answer. And, you know, it's 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 one of those things where against Texas, I said that he looked like he had gotten hit, and I even asked Coach Patterson after, uh, I think it was that uh, Tuesday, hey, Darius didn't get many carries. Was it because he was banged up? And he said, yeah, he got banged up. Against Iowa State, I, I couldn't tell you. Was that the game they each got 16 carries? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Iowa State, they, they each got 16 carries. And then last week against Texas Tech, his carries – diminished and I think that was because he fumbled um and that was that was really uh you know him and Shaywo fumbled that game but um actually Darius's wasn't a turnover because they the, the wild rule where the TCU player touched it first when he was out of bounds or whatever it was he said it saved him from having a a, a fumble on his on a stat line but uh, you know I, I I wish I knew I wish I could tell you I mean if if, if there's issues in the doghouse obviously they're not talking about it um, and that's that's fine by me. Uh, I'm not going to go on a witch hunt trying to find out if Darius Anderson has done something bad um, for uh, for the reason why he's not carrying the ball. And, and you know that and if they really wanted to, if they really wanted to make it a public scene like like some people have uh, on Twitter, then trust me, I could get that information very easily. So I don't I don't think it's anything that he's he's done anything wrong. It's just um, maybe they feel Shavo's better. I I don't know. I I really couldn't tell you. I don't have a good logical answer for it. Yeah, I did go back and pull up those stats from the Iowa State game. Uh, Shavo and Darius both carried sixteen times. Uh, Alana Lua for sixty six and Darius for forty two. So you know they they got to feed who's producing, and I have no doubt Darius can produce. But you got two highly rated recruits that have produced at a high level the last couple seasons at running back. And you just got to find a way to split the carries. You need, you need two quarterbacks in this league. You need seven wide receivers in this league and you need two running backs in this league. And you, you can't assume that one guy is going to get 23 carries every single game. I yeah. would like to see Darius think, get some carries against Kansas, but that's just me. That That's the thing. I think if, if we do see Michael Collins start against Kansas and he, and he's successful early on and that can complete vertical passes and, and, they really have to scheme. It's it's not only it's not only uh, when when you're playing. I'm kind of going off the road here a little bit, but when you're playing, you're scheming against quarterbacks. It's not only that. Okay, yeah, Sean can, Sean's completed some vertical balls, so the the secondary and defensive coordinators are going to be aware that he can he can throw a, a deep ball, but they also can disguise coverages in certain ways where they know they can pick on Sean's uh, progressions and 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 how he keys in on one guy. With Collins, he he goes through his progressions better. Everyone I've talked to that's close to the program that has seen the, seen the practices have told me Collins goes through his progressions better. Hmm. Now, when you have that and you have a quarterback that can scan the field and find those open receivers, that's that's going to create a defense to where they have to be cognizant of the passing game, where that will open up the running lanes. And I think that's been part of the problem. I think – Teams aren't afraid to let Sean throw. They can stack the box. They can they can kill the run. But um, it, it it's part of that, and it's part of the inconsistent inconsistency from the offensive line. Period. The offensive Didn't line, and, and and what I keep going back to is that three man stinking front Texas Tech ran, and they only ran for 120 yards that night. That is that was bad. That that's didn't, didn't Ohio State kind of figure around. that out. Say more about that. Well, like we were running against Ohio State, but then suddenly, and I, I don't remember the details, but later on in the game, somehow the run just kind of stopped. Like they figured out something, and that was as far as we went with yeah, that. I mean, and the, it's run, been- the running game was much better. And I mean, and, and plus, you've you also got to add on the ninety-three yards that Darius had on that one run. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's the thing that everyone remembers, you know, and, and that's great. Darius, Darius can make plays from anywhere on the field, and, and I know it's frustrating. I, I'm right there with you. I know it's frustrating that he's that he's not getting 20 carries. But the point of the matter is, quit losing sleep at night about Darius losing, not having 20 carries. He's just not going to get 20 carries. 
The only reason, the only way he will get 20 carries, you want, you want, you want to turn it up right now. Turn up the volume right now. The only way Darius Anderson gets 20 carries, when you go back, watch the OU game, and watch those running backs not get touched downfield until they're about nine or 10 yards. That's how you know you have a successful running game because your offensive line is killing the defensive line so bad that running backs aren't even getting touched until they're eight, nine yards downfield. Okay, that's a successful running game. That's a successful offensive line right there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's that's how you – TC ran a three-man front a lot in that game because they were trying to spy Kyler Murray. And that's a pretty good defensive line for TCU. And OU rushes for how many? Uh, you going to tell you? 323. 323, yeah. I, th- I knew yeah, it was over 323. That's a heck of a lot of yards to the, run uh, on our defense. The 43-yard the – run that Kennedy Brooks had. Uh, I think it was in the first half. I can't remember. There were so many long runs. Uh, but the, the one he had going toward the north end zone, 43 yards where he almost scored, that that running lane was so wide. And I even put it on board. I mean, you hear the cliche, he could drive a truck through it. I mean, you could drive a dually with a horse trailer on the back of that thing through that hole before he even got – he didn't even come close to getting touched till he was at least 35 yards downfield. You know, I know this sounds like, you know, armchair quarterbacking, but it seems as if without the five guys that were made their way to NFL camps that are no longer with the team that was right up there front blocking for Kyle, for Darius, for Kenny last year, shock, we can't run the ball as well as we used to. And it doesn't matter that we have two, you know, two amazing running backs in the backfield. If they're not getting holes to run through, it doesn't matter. That all, that offensive line from Oklahoma, people look last year, you know, they think, oh, Rodney Anderson, obviously Baker Mayfield, Mark Andrews. That offensive line was probably the best offensive line of Oklahoma, I don't know, since 08. That's the best offensive line in the Big 12 that, that I've yeah. seen since, since I've been following the league with any sense of consistency. So, obviously, we need to be able to get the ball into the hands of playmakers, but it doesn't matter if we don't have an offensive line that is that is young. Like, every every you know early preseason review, go read Phil Steele, go read Bill Connolly. Yet everything said, hey, they got playmakers, but it matters what happens up front. Well, it's not happening up front right now, and that's not calling guys out. That's what happens when you lose five guys to the NFL from your offensive line is that it's going to take some time to gel. And the offensive line, it's not like wide receiver where you know your job and you do your job. It is a sense of, of team. There's no spot on the field where team is more important than knowing the five guys up front because if you miss one block or you miss a call with your with your guard or your center – quarterback's just taking it on the chin or some running back that should have had a hole is, is losing two yards because that, that camaraderie and that communication and, and being able to communicate without saying a word has, has, hasn't been able to form yet. And so you can say, oh, we need to block better and get into our line better. That's true. But what really needs to happen is they need to be able to they need to be able to grow up together and be able to have some camaraderie as an offensive line. And I think from that, that will open running game, lanes in these last five games that the Frogs have, hopefully six with the bowl game because they need those reps. They need that game. Uh, I think the offensive line is clearly the weak link, but it also means that every single one of them will be coming back next year. So hopefully it will uh, not be the struggle that it's been this year because it's clearly, clearly caused some problems. And and here's the thing, and, and I, I understand the naysayers, okay? They're going to say, well, you got to keep you got to keep running the football because eventually it's going to open things up. It's not going to with this offensive line right now. You know why? Because you don't have a consistent quarterback right now, and that's what you know. You want to you want to sit and argue about how bad Kenny Hill sucked last year from some people. The one thing about Kenny was is at least he he didn't always make the right decisions, but for the most part, he made some good decisions, and 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 he had the defense not only aware of him uh, being able to run the football, but he was actually a good passer sometimes. I mean, he threw eight interceptions last year. But he, he also – I think he only threw six before the Big 12 championship and before the bowl game. But the, the, the thing about it is, is if, if they can get con- some type of consistency from their quarterbacks where the defense has to fear a true uh, passing game from, from sideline to sideline and from the line of, the line of scrimmage all the way to the end zone, no matter where they're at, then I think you're going to see the running lanes open. But th- it's just not going to happen. I don't care if you feed Darius Anderson – 20 times right now. He's going to rush 20 times for 68 yards. 
I mean, that's where it's going to be. It's going to be 20 times for 80 yards. He, that, that's, that's what they're getting right now. They're not getting huge yardage per carry. It's just not happening. And uh, that's, it, it, it's got to change. It's got to change up front. Well, Kansas is a great opportunity for that to change. Great opportunity for that to change. All right, let's switch gears here. Let's at least po- focus on some positive. You know, I said this. I was on, on Oklahoma radio a couple weeks ago talking about the Frogs. And one of the things that uh, you just can't do when Cavante Turpin is back to return a kick, you can't go grab a beer from the fridge. You can't go to, uh, go to the bathroom at the stadium because there's always a potential of something to happen. Uh always a potential for something to happen. And we saw that on Saturday, you know, they had the penalty for the celebration. They bumped the kick up for the bump up from where they're going to kick off and uh, our bump back from where they're going to kick off. And Cavante Turpin takes it to the house. Let's just kind of step back here for a second. Daniel, I want to ask you in, in terms of the frogs program since, since 1998, when, when Francione and then Patterson took over, where do you rate Cavante Turpin just in terms of, the electric factor. That's, you know, not the most valuable player, not the person most likely to succeed in the NFL, not the best recruit. But when you just think about from the fan factor of, I have to see this guy play, where do you rank Avante Turpin? Because he's got to be at the top of my list. Top uh, three, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe LT would be the top. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, I really had never thought about it and it's a lot to process, but Definitely up there because, and that was, man, that was a good run the other day. And it, and it seems like, <clears throat> dang it. Um, he's, uh, what was it? There was like his only sixth, his sixth, uh, kick or punt return yes. for a touchdown. It, feels it just like feels 15. like there's more. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually surprised. I was like, oh, is that for the season? But no, it wasn't. <laughs> so, um, but that's how good he is because it, it may, he may not always get it in for a touchdown, but he, I guess he's had that many good returns for, you know, 40 yards maybe till someone finally gets him. Uh, so, no, definitely up there. Um, and next year will be very different uh, not having not having Turpin. And um, it stinks. It's, it really does. feels like he's been here forever, which is good when it's your team. Um it's bad when it's like Perry Ellis at Kansas. Uh, <laughs> you know, I you, you mentioned those. You, you thought there were more. I think about that Arkansas kick return in in 2016, where everybody thought he was down at about the 35. His, his knee was about an inch from the ground, and then all of a sudden he pops out and then just like shoots like a dart and, and takes it right down the sideline. He doesn't score, but that's another one of those moments that man, that's. That guy's worth every penny of a scholarship and more. That guy's worth three scholarships just from what he's been able to do on special teams for the last three, for the last four seasons. You know, they talk about there's three sides of the ball. There's offense, there's defense, and there's special teams. You win two of those three that you win. And you always have a good chance to win on special teams with Cavante Turpin returning kicks. I, I really have to place him behind LT just from all these years of following the Frogs. Because after him, you know, obviously Boykin was was able to break some things out and make some amazing plays. You know, I'm biased towards Jeremy Curley. I loved I loved watching him return kicks, especially some of the no helmet blocks that he got from Tanner Brock. But just in terms of what what's going to happen when he touches the ball, even when he kind of catches a flare pass, when they run him on that jet motion behind the quarterback and he goes out into the flat, you're like, is he going to take it? Is he going to throw it? I mean, what, what's going to happen here? Cavante Turpin is just uh, enjoy it, Frog fans. You literally probably only have about six games left of this guy, and he has been worth he, – he has just been such a great asset to this program in the four years that he's been here. Jeremy, where do you put Turpin just in terms of, of all time in the Patterson era? As a return guy, I would definitely put him at the top. Um, the guys like Jeremy Curley, um, Terrence Dunbar, Brian Bonner, those were guys that made things exciting in, in punt return game and obviously kickoff return. But I don't think out of those guys there's any more exciting player than, than Turpin because they're really just – you literally – he goes back and every time someone sees a low-line low kick or a punt – excuse me, low-line punt, you automatically think, okay, here we go. Or even a kickoff that doesn't reach the end zone, you're always excited because that team is dumb enough to give Turpin a chance. And he makes them pay time and time again. Yeah, he doesn't score a touchdown every time, but look what he did the other day. Even even when TCU's riding this momentum and, and they've made it 28-14, to 14, 
they punt to him and he returns it to the 33. And what happens one play later, they scored a uh, Collins to Jalen Rager. So that's what kind of th- those plays, whether whether they're re- return for touchdowns, it just gives the gives the whole team energy. And that's that's just what he is. He's an energy player. And, and Coach Patterson always talks about uh, the way he is as a player. He just loves to play the game of football, just loves to practice. And it is going to suck when he's gone, man, just because he's he's just a player that leaves it all on the field every time. And when you sit there and look at him, he's a 155-pound guy. But that sucker right there is going to work his way on to an NFL team just because he has proven time and time again, whether it's against – the big boys like Oklahoma or people like Ohio State that just the the toughest competition you can face, he always gets it done. And uh, it 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 like I said, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a different looking return game for sure, and it's and it's certainly gonna be different looking uh, as an offense. But it 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 is uh it's it's a good number of players that are pretty exciting players in TCU's history, but I would definitely rank them in, in the Gary Patterson area, uh, definitely up there in the top three or four. One power five offer, Texas Tech. Frogs flipped him from Texas Tech. Nobody else offered that guy, and he has been, he has been worth every bit of it. So I just wanted to highlight that because if he hadn't returned that kick, we're looking at 28 nothing, And, uh, man, not, not that it ended up mattering, but – he was able to at least infuse some life into that pro into into the game right there, and you know obviously frog fans get excited anytime Cavante uh, Turpin can run a kickback. He is a he is a fan favorite. Everybody I know that has a little kid that follows the frogs, they all want to be Cavante Turpin. Everybody's everybody's eight year old wants to be Cavante Turpin. I know your son Jeremy wants to be Jalen Rager, but most people's kids want to be Cavante <laughs> Turpin because all he does is run those kicks back. All right, just uh, following through our outline here that I sent you guys, let's just do two more things here from this game. Uh, when when you kind of look at where, where where the program is right now at the end of seven games, when you think about um, just kind of the summary of this season so far after the, 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 the loss to Oklahoma, does this feel more like 2013 or 2016 to you guys? Which one of those two seasons kind of a, uh, is an accurate comparison to what the Frogs are going through right now? To me, it's 2013 because there was inconsistency at quarterback that year, and there was inconsist- there's inconsistency at quarterback this year. I think in 16, <clears throat> Kenny Hill struggled, but he didn't struggle this bad. I'm sorry, he just he didn't he didn't struggle this bad. And uh, you know, people people can probably think back to the 16 and and remember how many times they were crying for Kenny Hill to be <laughs> be. Uh, uh, pushed out of the game, but I, I just don't, I don't recall it being this con- inconsistent at quarterback. So this, uh, this 13, the 13 season is what this season reminds me of. You know, I'm going to go with 2013 as well for one logical reason. We had a big non-conference game at Jerry world that we didn't win, but we showed well in. And then, Everything after that just kind of fell apart, and we barely won any game that we should have. We only won like two games after that, or three games that we should have won. Frogs that, went two and that, seven in conference that year. Was that the year that they lost a lot of games by like a touchdown or less? Yes, that's I mean, where that, they lost that, a lot of games by a touchdown or less. We beat Iowa State and Kansas in conference, and that was it. They lost in overtime yeah. to West Virginia. Uh, the only game we got blown out in was. Um, was Texas in that crazy monsoon game? You know, yeah, we lost twenty to thirteen at at Oklahoma. The uh, the year they went to the yeah, that was the year they went to the Sugar Bowl and beat Alabama, and then we lost twenty to thirteen to Oklahoma. Uh, that that was it. That was the only game. That Texas game was the only game that we did not play well in 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 conference. And so that that's kind of how I compare it to because. But we've had some games where we lost. Uh, you know, you look at that Texas game. Look at that Oklahoma game. Those. Those are worse than what we experienced in 2013 in conference. Yeah, but I look at the Texas game as you were. There's there's one blowout that you can legitimately say with with TCU this year, and that was what we saw on Saturday. There was there was at no point, and and, and until basically the end of the second quarter, where you thought, okay, TCU has a chance. Because I, I I'm sitting up there and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be worse than I expected. This isn't going to be my 45-31 prediction, this is going to be 62-7 to type game. And, and that's that's what I was looking at. But the uh, the only blowout I see is the Oklahoma game because even against Ohio State and against Texas, 
until they had total brain farts and just totally collapsed in the third quarter. They were leading those games, and and uh, it it's you know those those little minor mistakes that you have, or, or actually major mistakes that you have, is the difference in a in really a uh, six and one team and instead of a three and four team. Yeah, those are not minor mistakes, but at the same time, they're very fixable. And looking back, it, it could have changed anyway. You know, you brought this up a couple weeks ago, Jeremy. But you go back to that Texas game, and I, I don't want to just beat a dead horse here. But when Sean underthrew Jalen standing at the pylon by himself, when they set up that beautiful double wheel to clear out with mm-hmm. Turpin and then tra- uh, Rager trailed it, if they hit that, like that's actually the watershed moment of the season. It's not that's the Ohio State game. That's a 10 lead right there. That's a 23-10 lead, yeah. and that changes everything. That does, I don't yeah. think that means I don't I don't know if that means we beat Oklahoma. But that changes everything in that moment because you beat Texas, you come back and you get a win against a really good Iowa State team, and then and then I just I I think you find a way to beat Texas Tech in that because you don't have all of this angst that is clearly kind of hovering above the program right now. That moment changed a lot, and I, I, that's not me pinning a blame on a on a college sophomore. That's acknowledging what's happened since then and what could have happened since then is real. Mm-hmm. So. Daniel, which uh, which of these two seasons do you compare these two? Any thoughts on looking at twenty thirteen? We were doing the podcast in twenty sixteen, and it just felt like we were we were growing more frustrated by the week back then because we started in twenty fifteen. It was a great celebration. Twenty sixteen, I could you and I could barely type out a hand, outline of what we were going to talk about. Does this f- season feel like that one or the thirteen season? Um, feels more like nineteen ninety seven. Oh come on, it's not that bad. We've already won more games than. They were You've one been and two. Sitting on that, that one year. for two minutes. <laughs> that was great. They've already tripled yeah. their win total from that year, Daniel. Come on now. <laughs> I'm, I, I feel like 13 because it's um, inconsistent quarterback play, like, like Jeremy said. In 2016, Kenny was pretty consistent at not being very good. And <laughs> so in 13, it was inconsistent like it is now. Um, where we like we have sta- games like, like Ohio State, and then we have just god awful performances like you know w- how much whatever many plays Sean did against uh, Oklahoma, just pretty bad. So uh, yeah, 2013, and it's just disappointing because you know I think it, it's that's weird because you have high expectations because all right. Um, we're, we're, we're done with the Kenny Hill era. We're on to this, these high-profile quarterbacks we got now. Here we go. And turd. So That's exact. Good time. You probably just said everything that hundreds of people have, have wanted to say with the whole thing. Is like everyone was so excited. Yeah, TC went to the Big 12 title game last year. Kenny Hill. Yeah, he's he's – He's okay, and and they're saying good things about him because they know he's gone now. And so you, you you can talk good about him, and he's gone because now they've got the savior that's coming in, the four star, highly touted uh, quarterback. Uh, until they got Justin Rogers, he was the highest rated recruit they had gotten at at the position, and everyone's talking about Sean this, Sean that. And even the media was buying in because he had he was so good at Big Twelve Media Days and confident. And you hear the reports that he looks good in in, in spring and he looks good in fall, even though it is a quarterback battle. But Sean's holding Michael Collins off, and he should as a top rated recruit. And that's that's what people were the most excited for this year. And I think it's just been the most deflating thing to them, understanding that you know what. Kenny Hill was the starter last year because of a reason. You know, a lot of people were saying the same thing about Sean uh, last year as they're saying about Michael Collins. Why not give Sean a chance? Let's just see what he has. And I think it's very deflating for them to be saying the same thing a year later when they say, why not give Michael Collins a a chance? Sean's not getting the job done, just like they said about Kenny. And because that's – it's it's the same thing, but the, the 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 point is is that for whatever reason, Kenny Kenny had more up top. He he was able to manage the game better, and I, I don't care what anyone says. 
They can say Kenny Hill sucked, was with the worst quarterback in TCU history, but the fact of the matter is you cannot take his 11 wins away and the fact that he guided TCU to a Big 12 championship. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Your defense, because we, we've all seen this year, okay, your, your defense can play really good, but if your offense sucks, guess what? You go three and four. So when I when I get a, a comment saying, well, yeah, but the defense was really good last year, Jeremy, well, guess what? You have to score points. Do you guys understand me now? Do you understand that? And so that's 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 the problem. You you when you when when you talk bad and inconsistent about other people, maybe there's a reason why they were in that position to begin with. Forgive me, Jeremy, and all our listeners. I guess I jumped in there. I thought we had dropped you, and I was filling time. So if I if I talked over you, that's my bad. Um, yeah, we're like an old married did. couple. I didn't even notice when you were talking. So oh man, <laughs> that's going to be great for Daniel. It is. He's going to love that. We'll let him stay up for two hours and sort that out. <laughs> all right. I just got three questions to end our show here. We've been going for 40 minutes. Uh, before we do that, I want to take a minute and thank one of our sponsors, Teen Life. If you haven't yet, go to teenlife.ngo. It's a great opportunity to volunteer for the many programs that offer support for at-risk students in Fort Worth ISD and beyond. We know that challenges are high for our high school students and junior high students, and Teen Life does everything they can to come alongside and support these students to give them the resources and the tools they need to thrive in life. For all you rich donors that listen to our podcast, you're more than welcome to give us uh, gift cards to uh, Chicken Express. But if you don't want to do that, you need to go to teenlife.ngo, make an end-of-the-year tax-deductible donation to support this great opportunity to support teenage students right there in Fort Worth ISD and beyond. I want to thank, as I do every week, our buddy Jeff McCain, who's a faithful listener of the broadcast. He's on the board at Teen Life, and he's the one that helped make this sponsorship possible. Thanks so much, buddy. We appreciate that. Couple questions here to wrap up our show. Number one, Daniel, I'll start with you. Before the Big Twelve title game, does Oklahoma run the table? I would have to say so. Um, they, I don't know what happened against Texas. That, that's just kind of a strange game. I mean, even they even beat them uh, with Charlie Strong a few years ago. So it's it's kind of a a weird deal uh, with Texas winning. Uh, I don't think they're better than Oklahoma in any way. Um, I think Oklahoma is pretty well unstoppable for the most part. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is and mm, probably will be for a while. Um, so yeah, I think they go, they go all the way and then the big 12 gets the, what they really want, which is Texas OU rematch. If, if they get a Texas, Texas can handle uh, Iowa State. If they get a Texas OU rematch where they're both one-loss teams and likely playing for a, a spot in the playoff, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot of game left to be played. That will be everything that Bob Bowlesby wished when he created the Big Twelve title <laughs> game. That's exactly what they want. Um, so, yeah, I would not be surprised as, if that happens. Yeah. As long Don't, as it's as Texas as what, and OU. As long as it's Texas and OU. Yeah. As long as it's Texas and OU. Next year, when it's Iowa State and TCU, they will not be happy. But, hey, they can deal with it because yeah. – uh, I'm, I'm yeah, they, they can deal with it. I'm going to agree with you, Daniel. I think Texas, I think Oklahoma does run the table, and I think that they beat Texas in a rematch in the Big 12. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I asked the question, does OU run the table? And I'm going to agree with you. I think they do. Uh, Jeremy, let me ask you this question. Has the program regressed? Not like, are we losing more than we won last year? That's an obvious question. But has the program regressed this season through seven games? Well, I mean, <laughs> it's it's a it's a three and four season, so I would say yes. I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure how to answer that question. I feel like uh, David Kunkel when Grego asked him if he liked his gig. Um, no, I mean. <laughs> Wow. Not, not sure that is a great drop. <laughs> not, not, not sure I understand the question. Um, no, the the uh, man, it's one season. I mean, it's it it's tough. Ha, have they fallen below expectations? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people uh, figured they would be better. Uh, I, I think everyone was right about defense, except for the one game against Oklahoma. Obviously, they didn't play very well, um, but uh, up until that point, they were top rated defense in the big 12 had the top rated pass defense had the top third down efficiency 
uh, on defense, uh, which means they, they had the best percentage um, against third down conversions. I think uh, they were only allowing like 53% or something, fit something just barely over 50% on third downs. And even Saturday against OU, they, OU was three of 12 on third downs. But offensively, uh, I, I, I would say offensively you're regressing a little bit because uh, you got you got big problems up front. You've got big problems at quarterback. They've got to find uh, another receiver besides Jalen Rager and Kevontae Turpin. And, and I think, as you mentioned early in the in the broadcast, uh, John Stevens is a guy that I think can make some plays. And I even asked Coach Patterson after the game if, if that's something we'll see going forward. If he would like to see more of those receivers that are that are the jump ball type receivers that are needed in this type of offense. When when Trey was successful, who was he throwing to? He was throwing them up to Josh. And, and, and really last year with Kenny, he was throwing them up to DRs and you need, you need that big body receiver. That's going to go up and make those type of plays. And that's what John Stevens, I think can give to them at six, five two fifteen. But I'm not going to sit here and say, I think the program is, is, is going downhill. Yeah. They're, they're, they're one of those programs for whatever reason, they go up, down, up, up, down, up, up, down, up, down. It's just, it could be one of those deals where they're they're going to have a six and six top season this year, and the next year they go uh, ten and two, and then the year after that they go ten and two, and it just and then they fall off back again to six and six or seven and five. It's just that's this that's this program, and and until they get some of the the bigger name recruits that they're going after, then I think that's pretty much what TCU fans are going to have to come to grips with. I, I don't think until they start winning more of those battles against the Oklahomas and Texas that we're going to see an offense like what Oklahoma has, uh, just consistently scoring at will and, and, and getting those type of players. But I, it, but I am happy with um, the classes they have uh, gotten in, in 17, and, and obviously 18 was a big class, and I, I love this 2019 class. So um, it's, it's just going to it's just going to rely on how well these uh, classes come together and how well these players adapt to it. And I, I, I think as long as Coach Patterson's around that you're, you're never going to see uh, a three and nine top season or even a four and eight top season. 13 we saw it, but I don't think you'll see it anymore. Yeah, the, the weird thing is since the Frogs have joined the Big 12, they've never had an eight, nine, or ten win season. They've either won 11 or more, or they won four and thirteen. They won seven in twelve, four and thirteen, and six in in sixteen. Mm-hmm. So that kind of uh, this isn't. I don't mean to throw these people under the bus. That 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 can't that Oklahoma State season where they go you know nine and three and lose a bowl game and go nine and four. Frogs don't actually have those type of seasons. They don't yeah. go eight and four and then get that ninth win in the bowl game. They either are competing for the Big Twelve title or they're rebuilding. And I think what that shows is. They can't sustain injuries. They don't have the depth to sustain injuries, and they can't tolerate a gap of experience on the offensive line. And when those two things come together, like it has this year, I think I think that's how you get the spot that we're in. So I don't know that the program has regressed. It's just you take those two things that the Frogs can't have happen, which is injury, especially at key areas, mm-hmm. and a gap in um, experience on the offensive line where you're breaking in four out of five guys. That's the issue. That's the issue. So, no, the program hasn't regressed, but it does kind of set you up for going forward with some offensive line experience. So, all right. Uh, third question here for you, Daniel. Can the Frogs still make a bowl? If they keep using Michael Collins, yes. If they switch back to Sean, hell no. Whoa. Yeah. And I, I don't. And until we saw Michael Collins, I wasn't too optimistic about beating Kansas, although we probably would. But it, as far as beating anyone else, I didn't think so. But now, now that I see Michael Collins, and not only did he make a difference just himself, you know, an individual effort, it changed the entire offense. It changed the entire defense, like Jeremy was saying. It changed, it changed the crowd. It changed everything, seeing that switch. And I feel like they could if 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 his hand heals and he does okay this week it'll be definitely healed up for the for the games on and if they stick with Michael Collins no problem in fact they may 
well, they may not win out, but they'll win most. So that's how I feel. But if, if they decide to be hard-headed again and run Sean back out there, um, I do not have much faith. You know, I'm I'm kind of in the same camp that you are. I think the frogs can make a bowl. I think they can. I think they can go seven and seven and five. You know, West Virginia is clearly going to be a really really tough out having to go to Morgantown in November. Uh, you know, there's just not a lot uh, going on there. Those people will be pretty jacked up for that game. But other than that, they can be Kansas. They can be Kansas State. They can be Baylor. They can beat Oklahoma State. That, that game, uh, the day, uh, two days after Thanksgiving, is going to be an interesting game because Oklahoma State just might have already mailed it in a couple weeks before because, man, they are struggling. <laughs> Who would have so. thought Oklahoma State would have been as bad as they are right now? I oh, mean, that's, man. A, that's, that's an even the, bigger story than what TCU is right now. It is. It's an even bigger story. And you kind of go back to last year. They lost at home to TCU. They lost at home to Oklahoma. They lost at home to K-State. Got blown out by K-State. You know, they were able to win that bowl game. But I was I was curious that, you know, Gundy had all that talent last year and he wasn't able to capitalize on it. What was it going to be like bouncing back from that? And it's clearly not been well. And you think we have quarterback controversy? I follow some pretty – there's some really good followers on Oklahoma State Twitter. There's some really good guys to follow. And, man, they are doing a witch hunt at the quarterback position. <laughs> they are – they have turned on Gundy so fast. That Cornelius, they they want to send him to Juco. Like, they are done with him. And they, they think Gundy won't – it was so funny because I was following along on Twitter during the game when Collins threw that, touch, that first touchdown pass. One of my friends that I follow from Oklahoma State said – Look at that. You make a change at quarterback, you get energy on offense, you score, and your defense comes out and forces a punt. I wonder if Gundy knows that making $5 million a year. They are not happy <laughs> with, with Mike Gundy right now. So, And I kind of always thought he was one of those coaches that was uh, iconic, like, you know, that they have four statues of Mike Gundy, all of which are at various stages of the mullet. So. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Oklahoma State is actually the pretty big story in terms of uh, uh, the Big 12. My friend wrote me and said that that game on Thanksgiving weekend is going to be a battle for the heart of Dallas Bowl. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the game I want to see. TCU-Baylor? No, since I, since I know that TCU's out of this now, out of this race. Oh. For, from a fan perspective, the game – I don't want to see Texas and OU again. I just don't. Um because I want to see someone different. I, I want to see. I want to see total chaos, and I think it could happen. I, I'm. I, I'm wishing and hoping, and I know I'm the president of his fan club. But I want to see Matt Campbell in the Big Twelve. I want to see Iowa State and Oklahoma play again, because I think that would be a. Much, oh. I. I. I'm telling TCU fans, you better be th- thanking your lucky stars. Brock Purdy didn't come in and play that game because that kid oh. has just. Not saying that Iowa State would have won, but man, it, it it would have certainly been a difference maker because Zeb Nolan, T, Gary Patterson had him so confused. I mean, he threw for seventy nine yards, and that's that's that was crazy. But that this, this Brock Purdy kid has just come in to set the world on fire, and and Iowa State's offense that that scored fourteen against TCU, they they scored forty eight against Oklahoma State, and they beat West they Virginia. smoked yeah. West Virginia. Yeah. So you're, and that they were number six. And West Virginia, everyone talks about the offense, but the defense had been playing pretty good up to that point. So I, I think Iowa State has it in them. I think, I think as long as they continue to play good defensively, that they might get another shot. I, I, I agree with, with uh, you guys with Oklahoma. I, I think they have enough firepower uh, offensively to – win the conference and, and at least get back to the big 12 title game. I just, Texas had to score 48 to beat them. You know what I mean? You're, you're going, mm-hmm. you're going to have to have an offense that can go step for step with them. And West Virginia is a good offense, but I don't know if their defense can, can shut down Oklahoma to under 40 points. And I, I'm sorry for all you Kyler Murray haters that said he wasn't that good in the beginning of the season that y'all thought oh. he wasn't good. This kid, this kid's putting up better numbers than Baker Mayfield did a year ago. And he was at times basically toying with TCU's defense on Saturday. And I know it, he I, is already, I know it maddens you guys, but, you, you six, three and six, four big dudes to scratch your head and try to understand the, the schematics, how a five, eight, Five foot nine quarterback can do those type of things in a major college football game. 
I have no, I have no uh, answer to that, to that equation either. I don't know how it happens. I wake up in the middle of the night screaming, trying to figure it out. But I, he's he's just a he's just a great player. That's all there is to it. You know, if Iowa State wins out, they're in the Big Twelve title game, and they've already played TCU, West Virginia, and Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and so really they they have to beat Texas. Yeah. And that's so I'm not I'm not just handing them every other game, but they have to beat Texas. And if they beat Texas, there's no reason that Iowa State can't be in the Big Twelve title game. And I think that would be great. Honestly, I think that would be great. And I, it would it wouldn't bother me one bit if uh, who would that that make us? No, that wouldn't make it. Texas doesn't have a Big Twelve loss. That would no. put Texas. Texas would still if if OU and Texas went out, they're going to be they're going to be playing. I still think yeah. I st- Texas has a tough schedule. They still got to play West Virginia. They get. I, e- e- I think they. Yeah, get but even home. if Iowa State beat Texas, and and they went out, they still can't get the Big Twelve title game because yeah, that would put Texas with one loss. Yeah. Yeah, Texas is going to have well, to, Texas is going to have to lose two. They'll have they'll have to lose two, and then Iowa State's going to have to have the head head to head against them. I mean, Texas is yeah. in the driver's seat right now. I mean, they, they are. They are, yeah, they're in the driver's seat. I keep thinking, I keep thinking about that loss, but yeah. it's Maryland. Yeah, yeah, they're sitting very pretty. So if if Iowa State's to do it, they're going to have to, they're going to have to beat Texas, and Texas is going to have to pick up another loss. Um, but I'm telling you, they they've got Texas still has Texas Tech on the schedule. They still have uh, uh, West Virginia on the schedule, and that's mm-hmm. that's two tough games, I think. What did Texas Tech do this past weekend? They spoke Kansas. They played Kansas. Yeah. In, in, so what are they? So they're five. They're five remember. and two now, right? Yes. I mean they they've they've got a pulse. Texas Tech's going to come down to Austin wanting to send a message. I mean, that, no, it's in Lubbock. Oh, it's in Lubbock. For some reason, I thought yes, I was talking to my Texas Tech buddy today. I, they thought it was in Austin. No. It's in Lubbock because last year Cliffy won that job in Austin right. on Thanksgiving weekend that is and right. saved his job. Yep. Okay, so number one lesson: don't listen to the gossip at church when they talk football. Um, but <laughs> then what do I preach about? <laughs> <laughs> only listen. Only listen to Jeff Mitchell when he talks about it. Uh, no, but that's. I mean, that's that's the thing. Is like I said it last week. I th- there's so much parody in this league that I I, I truly think that they're gonna knock each other out They're They really are. They're going to knock each other out. But after watching them in person on Saturday and, and seeing how methodical they are on offense and, and Kyler Murray, I will say this, Oh, you better pray to the football gods every night that Kyler Murray doesn't go down because without Kyler Murray, they don't have a quarterback on that roster. That's going to escape a good rush and go 19 yards They're They don't have anyone on that roster. That's like him. And, and, and present so many problems defensively where you have to literally not rush or blitz because you're going to get burned for an 80-yard touchdown run by the quarterback. And, and, that's, and that's what kind of player he is. He's, they, they sat there, and they did, they did get some good pressure on him. Ben got some good pressure on him, and, and uh, LJ got a good pressure on him, swapped at his foot one time, which Kyler skipped over. Um, but, I mean, that's that's, that's – that's the thing with him, and he's a he's a better runner than than uh, Baker, and he's a good thrower. I mean, he's he's a good passer. He he can he can put the ball on you, and I think that's going to be the difference for them this year. I, I just don't I I don't know if there's going to be a team that's going to be able to outscore them. If there's one team left on their schedule that I think might have a chance, it's West Virginia. But West Virginia is going to have to score fifty something points to win that game. All right, well, one last question. Guys, just give me uh, two sentences on this, both of you all. We'll start with you, Daniel. What does the, what do the Frogs need to – what do you need to see from the Frogs on Saturday at Kansas to at least give you some confidence going forward with the rest of the season that the Frogs can make a bowl? What do you need to see at Kansas? Michael Collins. <laughs> That's simple. Just Michael Collins. Yes. Jared, <laughs> I he didn't it. want two sentences. You got three words. No, he just. I'll make up for right, it. Don't worry. Can, he yields his rest of his time to you, Senator. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I obviously uh, better quarterback play. Whoever goes out there, you got to have consistent quarterback play. Running, uh, running football. You got to be. Uh, you you got to go over. You got to go over two hundred yards against Kansas to convince me. Throwing the football, you. 
let me put it to you this way. The offense better get 450 to 500 yards against Kansas, plain and simple. They, they've got to go up there. And if, if, if I don't care if they get 300 yards of total offense as long as they score 35 points. They've got to put points on the board. If they, if they go up to Kansas and they put another 20 points on the board, there's nothing that's going to convince me that this team's going to be able to make a bowl. Nope. Nothing at all. I want to see 250 yards on the ground. I want to see uh, somebody break 100 yards rushing, and I, I want to see Michael Collins out there playing quarterback. So that that's what I – that's what I want to see at the Kansas game. That's not me dictating. I don't term, care if it's, that's kind of what I want. To I don't see. care if it's Gary Patterson playing quarterback as long as they score thirty points. I mean, I, we we can say Michael Collins, but what if Michael goes out there and throws six interceptions? Then we're like, oh man, here we go again, quarterbacks. Put Gary Patterson yeah. in. Put Jeremy in. No. Put put Jeremy's son in. You know, we got to do that. <laughs> Maybe, my son's a freshman in college. Maybe he could go out there. He played quarterback in eighth grade. I was his coach, so I can I know everything about college football. Oh man! Well, we're gonna bring this to an end, but I gotta ask you guys this: uh, Did you see Ohio State get drilled by Purdue? Oh man! Hell yeah! <laughs> Wasn't that great? All I gotta say. I mean, I. <laughs> all I gotta say is thank God Rondell Moore did not go to Texas. Oh God! Can you imagine? Man, I mean, he was committed to them no. for a while. And then he did, then he flipped. You know, yeah. You know this world better than I do. Did he get let go by Texas? I don't know. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it maybe when it came out because they want to save face that it was probably reported that he got let go. But I don't know how you let go of that guy uh, because they were they were obviously in it for uh, they were going after Jalen Waddle as well, which a lot of people were and. I mean, when you look at Jalen Waddle and, and Rondell Moore, I mean, it's comparing apples to apples, in my opinion. Both of them are studs. Um, but they I, – I don't know, man. I, all I can say is it, it's a good it's a good dang thing that he's not at Texas because that kid is a player. Oh. Golly, that kid is a player. Well, the, fro- the Frogs better get ready because – Everybody that was laughing about adding the game against Purdue oh, yeah. will not be laughing when they have to go line up against him next year, especially with the depleted secondary that we're going to have to replace you, next you know season. The, you oh. know who the guy was that kept saying how good Purdue was going to be? Not me. Gary uh, Patterson. Jeff Ketchum. Gary Patterson. Oh. Gary Patterson. Every, when, he, when he would talk about the schedules and stuff, when, when, it, when it came out that he was kind of the one behind the – Jeff, you 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 got a hot sports opinion about this? It, you know, when Gary decided to back out of the game and with Ohio State yes. having to go up there and how it's tough for the non-conference, and he was he 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 brought up Purdue and then like next year, now we don't have to play Ohio State, but we still got to play Purdue, and everyone's kind of like Purdue. I mean, come on, they're like they're they're zero and three and whatever they suck, and now you look at them. I mean, they didn't beat Ohio State; they whipped their ass. I mean, it was they bad. Did. And it was, it was just, it was like having 99 speed on your offense going against guys that had 80 speed for UNCAA football fans. Well, if you, if you get to make a road trip next year, you need to, you need to find some 24 seven to pony up the money for you to come to that. Cause that's actually just down the road from me. So I'm going to, I'm going to be there all weekend for that game against Purdue. If, um, if I've got a room at was, your place, I'll, I'll have room and board. I'll, I'll just stay there at your place. You can fly from Love Field to Midway for eighty nine bucks if you book it early, and I will. You can come stay right. with me. You can come stay with yeah, me, heard and it. then we'll we'll drive down there. Yep, we'll we'll go down there. Yep, all you got to do is buy me a burger and a beer, and we can do that. No, you'll so. be in the press box with uh, me. I'll buy you. Fine. I'll buy you a that's beer fine. and burger that Friday night. Take me at a good joint. And I'll, all right. And I'll well, pick up there's the tab. The upside of Chicago is there's some pretty good food here. The downside is it's winter from October until July. Um, so you'll be here in yeah, the summer. That'll sure. be nice. You know, one of the funny things I did, I saw this on Twitter. Uh, if you don't follow Spencer Hall, every day should be Saturday. He's one of my favorite followers on Twitter. But he's, they had done the interview with the young boy, Luke, that had cancer. That was one of the big inspirational stories on game day and about Purdue and they had just done an interview with him in the fourth quarter, and uh, you know he was just talking about the heart and soul of Purdue football, and it was it was very touching. And uh, Spitzer Hall types, 
if my team was housing Ohio State by 30 points and they did an interview with me, I would have loaded up the bank at the FCC with how many F-bombs I would have dropped. That kid's got more class than I do. And I just <laughs> laughed and laughed at that. That's awesome. <laughs> it was kind of awesome because uh, I wouldn't personally, but I know plenty of our listeners that would have. So, Oh, man. And just one last shout out. You got to be happy for Mike Leach in Washington State. That was pretty cool watching them uh, get game day. That was the largest crowd I think I've ever seen for game day. And, you, you know, you've watched all those years and you see that flag that's made its way around. Been a TCU twice in the last two seasons. That was that was good. Washington State is about the most remote Power 5 program in the country. And for them to get game day and to, and to beat Oregon, that was a huge, huge win for that program. And if Kansas can hire anybody after they fire uh, David Beatty, they should just you know, back up the Brinks truck, have Bill Self take some of that Adidas money from his recruits and give it to Mike Lee so that we can get him back in the Big 12. I'm pissed off because I missed game day because I was already headed up to TCU and I was listening to it on yeah. satellite, but I never looked up at the TV during the, when I got up there because I had some other stuff to take care of, but kind of pissed off I missed yeah. that. That's why I hate those 11 o'clock uh, kickoff. So I, I tweeted Jeremiah Donati and told him to stop scheduling him at 11, and he uh, he didn't reply. So. Wait, he replied to like 15 other people <laughs> that night, <laughs> that but he didn't reply to you? Like oh, no, I was joking. Oh. People that tweet the AD like he sets the kickoff times. Like 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 he like he gets Oklahoma at home and he says, Let's kick off at eleven. No, that nothing frustrates me more than entitled fans that are tweeting our AD about I had to stand in line for the Pepsi for for my free Pepsi. <laughs> I don't know why I have to do that. Are you a member of the Frog Club? No. Do you know they need any money? No. Uh, do you whine a lot? Yes. Well, stand in line for your Pepsi. <laughs> what people complain about to our AD just never ceases to amaze me. And I still, I still followed, followed Del Conte, mostly because he follows me, and I don't want him to unfollow me. So I, you know, it took about three weeks, and then Texas fans realized they could really just tweet him about anything, and they do. They're 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 really no different than we are. Their fan base is is not all that different about complaining about the most petty things to the AD on Twitter. So, oh man, I'll let you. Well, let's bring this to a close. Uh, you guys got anything else before we wrap up? No, I'm just glad you said that, and I didn't have to. Oh, I'll say it. I'll say it. Um, yeah, lighten up, everybody. There's uh, TCU TCU fans on edge when we're not having a great season is is a sight to behold, man. Is a sight to behold. So, uh, so let's support can let's support the frogs this week. Let's beat Kansas and then be able to bounce back and see if we can get right back on track. Get win seven games, win eight games, get to a decent bowl game, and be able to um, build for next year. Go ahead and build for next year. So, as always, I want to thank you for listening to the Frogcast. If you haven't yet, please go online, subscribe on iTunes, give us a rating. We really would appreciate that. Give us a review. It goes a long way. We are uh, we are getting some really good downloads this season, even with things not going our way. So we would love for you to subscribe and give us a rating and give us a review. It goes a long way. And if you haven't yet, you need to join TCU 24-7. That's where you're going to find the inf- inside information that you want to know about TCU football, all the great information about the 2019 recruiting class. Recruiting is going to start to wrap back up as the season comes to an end. we got official visits coming this way. we got new guys that are going to come on our radar. If you care about the future of frog football, you need to belong to hornfrogblitz.com. It's a great way to stay informed. So for Jeremy, uh, for Jeremy Clark and for Daniel Southern, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thank you for listening to the Frogcast. <laughs>